Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Oh, Hi. This child, this effing child, Fred Kutstra. I mean, you say it, and he just sounds like a fully grown man who's taken the piss and charged me too much on a kitchen extension. That's why I love the name Fred, you know? Frederick takes you from CV to stag do. Ooh, I'm just uh, matched on Tinder with Frederick. He's an electrical engineer. Uh-oh, big Fred's got his dick out in Malaga. You know, he could be any kind of man or woman or non-binary person that he chooses to be. However, I love holding him. I love holding him. And I genuinely feel like feminism exists for a number of reasons. But most of all, in my view, it's for our own safety and security and autonomy. Because let's say there's no feminism. You don't have a hope of uh, freedom or voting rights or getting a job. Or if you do have a job, you have no hope of anything close to equal pay, maternity rights, blah, blah, blah. Then you have a partner who, for whatever reason, is incapacitated or dead or beats you or is a venomous alcoholic. You've got no way out, right? So feminism offers us options. But here I am now with this lovely husband who's got like 101 skills and is so kind and generous and the love of my life, I kind of feel like feminism has backfired for me. It really has because I bought the swimming pool for myself and I don't get to enjoy it. I'm at work hauling my ass to Swindon to earn money while everyone that I love is here all together enjoying those things on my behalf. And it's cool. It's fine. But I mean, in a perfect world, currently and I'm still bleeding by the way like sorry if you're listening and that's not what you want to hear but Fred turned eight weeks yesterday I'm still bleeding and I ask people hey is that normal they're like absolutely it's normal it's fine fuck you all right um I kind of would like to be just home breastfeeding him and holding him all the time I kind of would like that but that's not my situation my situation is very different I'm privileged I have offers for jobs gigs to do fine I have to go out and do them and I'm very lucky to be there and happy once I arrive but I mean oh it's difficult to juggle it really is because no one else can get up in the night with Fred because no one else has the tits so it has to be me and yes I've considered pumping and I do pump but still like I have to be awake to be pumping they should invent like hello dragon's den there should be a breast pump that is comfortable And the LV pump, by the way, is the one that I have. It's cordless. It's almost silent. It is comfortable. 
I have um, a Spectra one that I plug in beside the bed and I thought maybe that one would be better, like more hospital quality, suck all the milk out faster. My review after having both for several months is no. The LV cordless one is better. I think it has better suction. I think it gets more milk. You do have to charge it. That's the only thing and clean it all the time. But like, whatever. Even at night now, I pop those in my bra. They're great. But, but you still can't really hold a baby with a breast pump because even the LV, which is the most discreet, smooth one, um, like it's in the way. If I'm holding Fred, it's kind of in the way. So I'm up for double the time. Even if I pump, I'm feeding him and then I'm still staying awake, pumping, blah, 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 blah. I'm tired. I'm up every two hours. And I've got a great big job coming up this week. So today is Monday. If you are in London or you're going to be in London, we're filming my brand new show, Backstage with Catherine Ryan, for Amazon Studios. That starts the day after tomorrow, August 11th. And you can get free tickets at s for sugar, roaudiences.com. You can sign up there and I'd love to have you in the audience. But I mean, it's an intense job. It's every day and it's really long hours. And it's not just that I can turn up and phone it in. No, I need to be like mentally sharp. So I just feel like I'm going to have to get a night nanny. I'm going to have to get a night nanny. And I'm very lucky that I can afford one and that I can have one. I mean, I don't know if anyone's available, but I think I might have to sleep at night. And Bobby does the most. Bobby's up and around all day, cooking, cleaning, looking after the garden, ferrying Violet around. We can't forget about Violet. She's 12 and she still needs like rides to the mall. Um, And he looks after Fred and lets me have a nap in the day. But like there are no naps now. There are no naps with the Amazon show. So like I'm just a bit under the gun. And Fred does sleep. This is what I was getting at a minute ago, five minutes ago, actually, because I do yammer on. Fred sleeps, but he sleeps on me. And that is something that I created. That's a problem that I made in my own life. Because like I said, feminism has backfired. And I would like to just be home cuddling him all the time. I would just like him to be breastfeeding and laying on my shoulder. I mean, oh, I would never complain. I would just stay home and do that all day at this point in my life. But no, today I had a bunch of deadlines. I had things to do. But Fred was on me and I couldn't get them done. And I remember... I say I remember like it was ages ago. It was exactly two hours ago. Um, Walking up and down the kitchen with Fred and the carrier, just thinking, you know, things are different for the genders. They just are. There's no father in the world. I don't care. Show me a working father who's very hands-on at home. Fine. But there's no father in the world that has the size of job that I have this week, this Amazon show who's walking around the kitchen with his baby in a carrier, not submitting the podcast that's due, not submitting the writing for the show that's due. I just, I just think moms, we have it Uh, very sweet in many ways. We're very lucky to be mothers, but like, it's fucking annoying at the same time. Fred, I love you. Just lay down in your bed, whatever. Bobby was not home to carry Fred around for me. Bobby went to go register Fred today. And because we're married or in a civil partnership or whatever the legal definition of our relationship status is, Bobby could go on his own. I didn't have to be there. So he went and registered Fred. And he really scared me because he sent me a text that was like, you know, I think I'm going to make his middle name Hunter. And this is triggering for me because that's what happened with my granddad. My grandma, my great grandma rather, Tressa Claridge, what a name. She was home. Oh, I'm not part of the like Claridge's dynasty, by the way, I checked. They were just like poor people with the surname Claridge somehow. Um, She was sat at home 
And she sent her baby Ted to be, you know, registered. And the dad, I don't know what the hell happened, on the walk to the registry office, he's like, mm, do you know what? James. James Edward is going to be his name. And that was not the right name. So dads can do that. Dads can have a change of heart in the way to the registry. And then once it's done, it's done. Actually, it's not done. It's like 90 pounds to change it if you make a mistake. And in retrospect, 90 pounds, I mean, it's worth it, isn't it, for a nice prank. Bobby came through the door, and he could have said anything. He could have been like, here you go. Here are the documents. He could have named that baby anything, and it would be worth the 90 pounds to see my face. But no, he named him Fred. Frederick. Big Fred. Kutstra. I have been really scared lately. Um, I'm up all night, as you know, and it's dark. I like to creep around, feed Fred, put him back down during his like little twilight waking hours. He's not really awake. But a terrifying thing happened the other night that has kept me on my toes. And I look all around the room in our great big house that I'm lucky to have, but that scares me as someone who's lived in flats for the last like nearly 20, 20 years. <gasps> I'm 38. I've lived in flats for 20 years I moved out when I was 18 and got a condo in Toronto and um I just I've only had this house for two years and it scares me so the other night I was waking up I went downstairs to refill the hot water for my tea and this is so scary because we've been burgled before as many of the listeners know um, a masked man climbed in through an open first floor window I didn't even know that he could climb that high but look they're very athletic these burglars so fine we were at home and we were burgled if you want to know more about that it is in an early podcast episode I think episode like three or four I was bringing out the big guns early days so it is 2 a.m in the morning a.m morning and I creep down the stairs to get hot water for my tea the dogs are in their crates under the stairs and when you walk down the stairs from the first floor to the ground floor, um, really bad feng shui, actually, because you're not meant to have the stairs facing the front door. It means all the joy like rolls out of the house, but there's nothing I can do about that. I come down and I notice as I'm walking down the stairs, because the summer nights have gotten chillier, I notice, oh, there's a chill. It's kind of chilly on the first floor or the ground floor. I didn't think much of it. I just felt cold. And as I walked down the stairs in the dark, I looked. And the front door, all was very still. It was just ajar. Like fully open, the front door, the wind was still, the night was still. It was cold and dark and shadowy. And our front door was just wide ass open. And I was like, <gasps> Bobby, Bobby. I had like a frog in my throat. I couldn't even shout. I just was like, Bobby, Bobby. And he's two floors up. Like I said, I'm doing very well. He could hear me. He luckily knew the difference between like, Bobby, I can't find the remote. And Bobby, I'm about to shit my pants on the stairs. And he sprung up and he's like, what, what? And he came down, just said, the door's open. And then I stood exactly still where I was. He went past me and looked all around the house, shut the door, like checked that no one had just walked in the front fucking door, which they easily could have. If they can go to the trouble of scaling the house and coming in the back first floor window, they can certainly notice I mean, and we went to bed at 9 p.m., watched Love Island, obviously, and then fell asleep. So that door was wide open from before 9 p.m. Anyone just could have walked in the house. Anyone. But the dogs were calm in their crates and no other lights were on. We do have motion detectors and things and cameras, but Bobby looked around. No one was in the house. While he was looking, I ran upstairs and looked in Violet's room. She's sound asleep. Obviously, we knew Fred was asleep because he sleeps attached to my tit the entire night. 
So no one was in the house and I could relax finally. I was like, oh, okay, that was weird. We must have left it open because sometimes Bobby and Violet get pizza night for Love Island Sundays. We must not have shut the door properly. Fine. We set the alarm. Everything's good. We go back to bed. This was now a few days ago. And since then, you know, that Korean film that did very well, the Oscars, Parasite, if you've not seen it, I mean, it's creepy, but I recommend it. It's a good movie. Since then, I feel like parasite i wake up in the night with fred and i look around the dark room and i feel like there are eyes like i feel like someone is living in our house and they walked in oh i have chills now just thinking about it i feel like they crept in on that cold still fateful early hours of that evening and they live in the walls and what's worse is you can live in our walls we have storage all around the loft inside the walls we have secret compartments where you can keep things we have a panic room and i just feel like oh my god i just think there's a someone living in our house now and like it's not been good for me and i would say i can't sleep but i can't sleep anyway and every single time i'm feeding him i look in the corner and i think i'm gonna see a man like just stood there watching us i don't know it's really scary but i mean i'm sure I'm sure the dogs would have at least sniffed him out by now or barked or, you know. Well, I mean, our dogs are not exactly guard dogs, but they would have been excited to see him. Cardi would be like nudging her little mini tennis ball through the gap in the wall to be like, excuse me, parasite man, will you please throw this? I just don't know. I don't know how to feel safe again. I think I need like an infrared scan of the house just to see if there's anyone living in the walls. And then maybe I can sleep. But like, how the fuck did we leave that door open? That was honestly so stupid. I don't mean to creep you out. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast at night to sleep. So I guess just the takeaway is if there is someone living in our house who walked in that night, they've been really nice and quiet so far. Really good house guests. Ooh, house guests. We've been staying in Airbnbs in Birmingham. I love Airbnb. And you can't stay in a hotel. Like we stayed in a hotel first series of All That Glitters. And by we, I mean me and Jen and Fiona, my glam squad. We stayed in the hotel and that was fine. But you can't really stay for long periods with a 12-year-old and a newborn and your husband in a hotel room. It's, it's a bit difficult. Luckily, we have Airbnb now. We stayed in an amazing one last week. But we've got to stay in another one next week. And I feel like I stumbled upon a scam. I didn't know scams happened on Airbnb. I mean, I do watch Joe Lysett's Got Your Back on Channel 4. I know all about the scam life. Thank you, Joe. And this scam is local to you, by the way, because he lives in Birmingham. But I've always had good experiences, dare I say, great experiences with Airbnb. But on this occasion, um, I scheduled a stay at this penthouse right in the city center. And it was hosted by three women. Um, And you could tell English was their second language because when they started messaging me about the booking, I don't know, you can just tell when English is someone's second language, but fine. I felt like that's great. And they were like, oh, are you coming tonight? I was like, tonight? No, I booked it for such and such a date. Can't you read? What the hell? And then everything was cool. But all of a sudden this morning, I got a message. It's like, oh, there's been damage to the flat. Actually, our last guest broke the bed and smashed something up in the toilets so I need to take at least two weeks to repair that would you be happy staying in this alternative space and then they sent me a listing for like an absolutely shit apartment I was like um no I booked a two-bedroom penthouse in the city center I don't actually want to stay in this weird shit flat outside of town and they were like why it's cost effective it's two bedrooms and actually we'll give you 10% off and I just knew it I was like you know what this is a fucking scam I said no we won't stay there cancel the reservation please 
And the girl's like, oh, actually, you need to raise a cancellation request and I will accept it. Honey, I've been around the block more than two dozen times. I went, no, no, no. I'm going to get charged fees if I cancel it. You have to cancel it. And I sent her instructions on how to cancel it. And she was like, as a host, I know how to cancel it, but I'll get all these fees and Airbnb will penalize me. So I just really need you to cancel it. Look, I'll change the cancellation policy so you don't get any fees and you'll get a full refund. So she did that. And I was like, you know what? Whatever, I'm canceling it. But, and I did get a full refund. But what she doesn't know is that uh, I got a lot of work on. Therefore, I've got a lot of reason to procrastinate. So I contacted Airbnb, didn't I? I'm a little snitch. And I said, excuse me, I think they're fishing. I think this apartment doesn't exist. I think I'm looking at the profile. They've got nine properties. I think they're using it as a scam. And then they get you in. And then the last minute they go, actually, why don't you stay in this hellhole? And um, I wasn't going to do that. So Airbnb are investigating you now, Daisy. Good luck. I know it's a scam. When you know, you know. I need to start taking my own advice. When you have an intuition about something, that intuition is always right. Moral of the story is I'm looking for a new place to stay in Birmingham, August 23rd to 28th. How fun for me. No, I don't want to stay with your family. I cannot live with people, not even for a moment. But I do need a place to stay with baby Fred, hunk Bobby K, and teenager Violet, who's at Natball camp this week. So exciting. I wanted to talk, though, about censorship. And I don't mean, you know, because censorship is a very broad term nowadays. I remember my husband saying to me when Donald Trump got kicked off Twitter, he was like, this is bad. You know, this you can't do this kind of censorship and you can't do this. and You can't do that. And certain information, you try to find it. It's not Googleable. But Bobby's often a devil's advocate. And I said at the time, I said, well, I think in this certain set of circumstances Donald Trump was found to be inciting violence and hate and encouraging his followers to storm the Capitol this is back when this was all happening and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all of the above are private companies and I'm like well sorry like it's our mistake giving private companies the amount of power that they have now but we have done it and at the end of the day a private company has a right to exclude you know, someone that they feel has breached their terms and conditions. So do I agree with kicking someone off Twitter? It doesn't matter whether I agree or not. That's a private company and I feel like they can do whatever. And Bobby was like, no, Catherine, it's dangerous. It's bad. And now I'm kind of feeling like I'm not going to go into that section of censorship too much. Let me start with um, subjects that are nearer and dearer to my listeners' hearts. Love Island. So it's Monday now. On Friday night, if you are an avid Love Island viewer, or even if you weren't, I'll explain to you what happened. Faye, a young woman who is stunning and wonderful and really funny, but for some reason wears brown eyeliner and look on her lips. I get why she's doing it. Fiona has done it on me a few times. If you do a subtle brown eyeliner um, or lip liner on the outskirts of your lips and then you blend it properly, it can mimic a shadow. It can kind of make your lips look more full. Faye, all due respect, not doing it correctly. She's doing it like in an ironic way. Like she looks like she's kind of got blue lips. She's colored them in too much. It's too dark. It's not a look that I like. But then again, I'm 38 years old. Maybe the Faye demographic love that kind of look. But it's not for me. 
So if you've watched even a minute of Love Island, you'll have seen Faye's evening brown lips. She doesn't do it in the day. In the day, she looks very fresh. In the evening, though, she just like traces around those lips like there's any way of missing them in the first place. She is very insecure when it comes to relationships, trust. I feel like she's been burned in the past. She does not let down her barriers very easily. She is in a relationship or was with a really nice guy called Teddy and she let her guard down and she said, all right, I'm going to give myself entirely to you. I trust you. Then he went to to Casa Amor, which is a format point where the boys are lifted out of the regular Love Island household and deposited into an adjacent villa where there are a lot of sexy new potential partners to couple up with. And it tests a lot of relationships. There are games and a lot of sexy uh, goings on that really push them to couple up with someone else. I mean, that's television. Teddy did not sleep in a bed with anyone else, couple up with anybody else, kiss anybody else outside a challenge. But the way that television is manipulated for our entertainment kind of looked like he did. And he was a bit flirtatious. So he returns to the villa. Faye has seen a postcard of him kissing a woman in a challenge already. So she's coupled up with someone new. She's really mad. That was discussed, and Teddy was like, look, it's not what it seems, and then they got back together, all was fine. On Friday night, they showed clips of Casa Amor. They showed Teddy telling a single woman that he found her to be sexually attractive, but that he wasn't going to share a bed even after she invited him to do so because he was like, I don't trust you. I really like Faye. He spent the entirety of Casa Amor just talking about how he loves Faye. He comes back. They patch things up. Now Faye's seen the video and she blows up all over again. And she's like, you're a fucking two-faced prick, da-da-da-da-da, really berating him. She did try to pull herself out of the argument a few times. She said, get away from me. I don't want to talk. This is going to be bad. But he was trying to explain himself, apologize. In any case, it was a real great episode, if you ask me, a real blowout scene. But because of the way that we live now, there was lots of chat on Twitter Lots of complaints to Ofcom from people saying these scenes should not have been aired. And censorship on this level, Love Island level, that you and I can all understand day to day is right in front of our face. I think it's really bad. And I think it's great that we saw all these problems between Faye and Teddy. I can promise you that Teddy and Faye are receiving so much emotional, psychiatric, therapeutic, whatever you want to call it, care in the Love Island house, far more than they would ever receive in the real world. The producers and the channels are so committed to looking after these contributors. I promise you that at any point in filming, there are 20 qualified people that either one of them can take a time out and talk to. Also, they're adults. Adults who chose to put themselves on a reality show. And I think you have to respect an adult enough to go, yeah, you can make that decision if you want. They will have been cleared by the psychiatric team before filming. So much goes into like checking all their medical history and making sure that they're of sound mind to participate. And then if anything happens that upsets them, they get all this extra therapy as well. But the benefit of showing a fight like that is so huge here out in the real world in society because a lot of times you can't see who you are from the inside you can't see yourself in a situation unless you view it as you know an audience from the outside so there are people who will be in relationships like this or people who will have had someone scream at them and belittle them in front of everyone and they'll go oh my gosh I didn't see myself 
being emotionally abused, but now I see it. And there will be people like Faye whose insecurities grow so big that they cause them all of this drama and stress. And they go, oh, wait, do you know what? Look at me. Look at the way I behave. Holding on to all this resentment and stress is not actually doing me any favors. And showing interactions like this on Love Island, you know, you call it trash TV, you call it whatever you want. It's very meaningful in society and it gives us a reference point to go, oh my gosh, look at this. I mean, I know the men's charity, Mankind, have already been very vocal in tweeting out like, look, men are sometimes on the receiving end of this as well. It opens up all this dialogue, all this conversation, and I think it's really great. Do you just never want to see conflict, even toxic conflict on television ever again? I don't know what's going on with this generation, but it's as though they would like to watch utopian five-minute episodes of Peppa Pig back-to-back and nothing else. I remember even 12 years ago when Violet was born, well, she didn't watch Peppa Pig till she was about three, two, we'll say. I would watch it and be like, what happened to conflict? Zero meaningful, you know, jeopardy in any Peppa Pig episode. Just like, oh my gosh, my daddy pig is doing this today. Hey, mommy rabbits had a bunch of more babies again. You know, it's utopian. It's lovely. But look at what we had to contend with. A fucking Elmer Fudd chasing a very non-binary Bugs Bunny around to try to boil him in a pot of water. Wiley Coyote trying to murder this, um, what was that bird? The Roadrunner. Is that a real kind of bird? I think it is. But anyway, look, we had conflict. Those shows were maybe too violent, but they showed us how to deal with conflict. Love Island is showing young singles every single day how to deal with many themes that are relevant in their relationships, gaslighting, and sometimes, yes, verbal and emotional abuse, and lying, and intuition, and friendships, and I just think it's a wonderful thing. I feel like shaking things up, demonstrating nuance, showing conflicts and interactions that aren't super clear, I think it's good. And then we have all this dialogue in the outside world. And speaking of dialogue, I received some messages from women, and I care about women's health. I care about it, and I feel like there aren't enough studies for us. I mean, granted, you can't really do many studies with women who are either pregnant or breastfeeding. You know, there are a lot of phases in our lives that exclude us from participating in medical studies, but also the funding is not there, and there just isn't the wealth of information medically that I feel that we deserve. And this is why loads of you go to the doctor and the doctor goes, I don't know, You, yeah, periods hurt. And it turns out you had endometriosis or you had autoimmune disorders or you had PCOS. And you, the average diagnosis for PCOS is something stupid, like eight years, eight years of suffering before someone finally goes, hang on, you have a hormonal imbalance. My own mother had a hysterectomy for fibroids and she had had all her children by then, fine. And the doctor goes, oh, well, when we go do this surgery for your fibroids, we might as well take your ovaries out. And my mom was like, pardon the fuck me? And he's like, yeah, I might as well. She's like, what do you mean might as well? My ovaries are essential to my hormone production. There's nothing wrong with my ovaries. Why in fuck would you want to take them out? And this guy, this medical genius that we're all meant to know and trust, he shrugs and he's like, well, why not? My mom's like, why fucking not? Because I'll be on hormone replacement therapy for the rest of my life. Leave my ovaries where they are, jack fuck. And so he did. 
But women's issues, it just drives me up the wall. And I don't mind looking stupid and I don't mind being wrong and I don't mind being judged when I'm advocating for women's health. Of course I don't. What in the world made you believe for a second that I would care? Oh my God. So this week I received messages from women who have had the COVID vaccine and it was right across the board, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, whatever they've had. They're like, do you know it disrupted my period? This is anecdotal evidence. There aren't studies to tell us conclusively whether the vaccine impacts your fertility or your period. I think the official answer is no, it definitely doesn't. Um, But I've had personally now that I amplified it, almost 100 messages. I mean, I stopped reading at about 75, but almost 100 messages at least from women who say, my period was heavier. My period went away for a while. My period was intermittent. My period was really painful. My period came back after a period of not having it. All these different disruptions to the cycle that these women would have anticipated. And they weren't all complaining. One woman was like, I hadn't had my period in ages. And all of a sudden I ovulated and I conceived. And that's great because we were wanting to have a little boy. Lots of women who said, oh, I went up a cup size. It swelled the uh, lymph nodes or the glands in my breasts, which is very common with an immune response, which is what you want from a vaccine. Uh, But they're like, yeah, my partner and I love it. I have these huge tits now. Okay. Um, And then a lot of messages too, though not as many, from women like my sister who say it did nothing to my period. It didn't disrupt my usual cycle at all. Fine. I'm not running a study. It's not an official study. I'm also not telling anyone that they should not get the vaccine. Having your period eight weeks late is a lot better than being dead. Get the vaccine. The vaccine is great. But, but we deserve disclosure and investigation into what it might do to our menstrual cycles. And it doesn't surprise me that that doesn't exist because no one really cares about our menstrual cycles. And I've had nurses now reach out, by the way, some of them saying, yeah, it definitely affects your period. And that's what I tell people to expect. And people just deserve not to be shocked. You know, if it affects your period for a few weeks, who cares? I'm not saying that's going to hurt you. But these women who are messaging me thought they had cervical cancer they thought they were pregnant they thought they were entering early menopause like they just deserve a heads up which a lot of nurses are giving but then I also received message from nurses who were like oh Catherine we do care like how dare you say we don't care about women's health no it's not you jackass I know you care about women's health I know you are busting your balls every day and you are the most caring people ever and you don't get rewarded enough for what you do I'm talking at the very tippity top the people funding the studies the people who are in charge of the data that gets printed in the textbooks that you study in school those people don't prioritize women's health enough you think if this vaccine made Fauci go soft we wouldn't hear about it we would hear about it if like 60% of men were like, do you know what affected my dick for a couple of days? And it's fine. It all went back to normal. Oh, do you know what? It made my balls swell to twice their size for a couple of months, but it's fine. It went back to normal. No, like these side effects might be absolutely fine, but they would be flagged up. There would be warning and they certainly wouldn't be shrugged off. And that's all I'm asking for. I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to be like a medical science man. But I'm just saying, anecdotally, if you're going to have the vaccine, and that's great if you do, you should. If you haven't had it, you'll be forced to really soon anyway. So I don't even know why we're having this conversation. But I'm surely not anti-vax at all. 
And I know a lot of people who have questions. That doesn't mean they're anti-vax, as I am not. Like, I think it's weird that Leonardo DiCaprio dates exclusively women under 25. Does that mean I'm anti-Titanic? No. I just don't know how we got here, how we got to a level of censorship where anything you say, there's a big flag on your Instagram. Oh, click on this to get the real COVID facts. It's like, well, what? But you can't remove the N-word and you can't stop people sending me aggressive sexual messages saying that they want to like rape me and showing me their dick. Oh, Instagram, you don't have the power to catch that in your filter. But anyone says the word shot or jab or COVID or anything and right away you catch that. That's really easy for you. But no, racial hatred, like... Uh, aggression towards women and that kind of stuff. No, no, that's really definitely too difficult to censor. I just don't like it. But I've had a lot of messages from you guys ever since I posted the period stuff. I am not opposed to getting the vaccine. I want out of this situation as much as you do. I want to keep everyone safe and your grandma safe and stop the Delta variant, whatever you want to call it. I just think that our health needs to be prioritized. I think we deserve to have like a heads up about our reproductive health generally outside of covid just generally give us a heads up i'm sure it's fine though all right let's take a quick break um and then i will get to your letters and i just i know they're gonna be spicy they get spicier every week hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, this first one might be triggering. Um, A lot of the listeners know that I have a podcast about pregnancy loss, and I'm really sorry if that is something that has touched your family. And if you don't want to hear about that, maybe don't listen for the next five minutes. But I'm not going to get weird. I am trying to be uplifting now because I do promise I haven't really addressed it much since that first podcast. I do promise it gets a lot better. Okay, so Catherine, I was told in June that I had a missed miscarriage at seven weeks. We went to see our little bean at a private early scan because I was sure something wasn't right. I seemed to have lost my pregnancy symptoms the week prior, and I was worried. It was there, but it was measuring six weeks with no heartbeat. We are heartbroken. I felt so down about this pregnancy in the beginning, but then I was fully on board by the time we had the scan. So naturally, I'm feeling like a piece of shit for that. I sobbed and sobbed on the bed when I was told. All I wanted to see and hear was the heartbeat. It's been the worst pain I've ever felt so far, physically and mentally. I'm 25. This was my first pregnancy and I'm truly broken. Please can you give me some advice on how this might go for me over the coming months and can you let me know how you felt about trying again? Congratulations on your beautiful rainbow boy, Fred. 
And then she wrote me again. She's still really sad. This is how I got this message because it was from way back in June, but now she's still sad. And she says, Catherine, update. My sister-in-law has announced that she is pregnant. I'm happy for them both. I really am. They have been trying for a long time, but we had to host them the weekend she announced. I decided we would do it because I thought I could deal with it. But she went on about the whole time how happy they were. And I would try to speak about my experience, but she cut me off. They were both laying on my sofa rubbing her stomach in front of me and my boyfriend who had just lost a baby. Am I the asshole? God, it's really difficult, isn't it? So I'm so sorry for your loss. And I know that before I had lost my pregnancy, I kind of felt like six weeks, seven weeks wasn't that long. I thought, oh, well, you know, that's just like getting your period. You could try again. But it when it happened to me at 10 weeks and then actually it happened to us again at 13 weeks. And I haven't really discussed that because I don't want to. I don't want people to feel bleak about stuff, but it is a chapter in my book uh, that you can avoid if you want. But we had another experience right after my first miscarriage where we got all the way to 13 weeks and he had something wrong and we lost him as well. So like it wasn't great. But um, yeah, I mean, the reality is people are still going to get pregnant around you and people are going to have joy. And I'm sure she didn't mean to rub it in your face. And if you were a different person, maybe someone pregnant might make you feel uplifted, you know, so people don't know always how to modulate and moderate their behavior because they don't know how it's going to affect you. So I think that definitely, definitely you need to take as much space as you need to grieve and no one can tell you how long that should be. It is still really fresh. I personally didn't really feel 100% better until Fred was born. I didn't really talk about my pregnancy with Fred because of the bad luck, and that's what I like to call it, bad luck, that we'd had before. Um, Who knows what your timeline is going to be? I know people who lost a pregnancy 15 years ago, and they're still sad about it. Um, So it might always be just this part of your life that you learn how to incorporate into the joyful moments, or it might be something that you forget about one day, and you look back and you think, wow, I was so sad, and now I'm not anymore, and isn't that lovely? how your mind and your body can move on from things and heal themselves. So I think, no, you're not being an asshole because you feel a little bit jealous about, or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to assign to it, whatever feeling, just sad. But they're not being assholes either, you know, because if we all really were mindful of people who'd lost babies, none of us would ever express joy about our babies because it's not talked about enough, but it happens to so many of us all the time. They say one in four. I think that number is higher. And what is everyone just going to walk around hiding their pregnancy, hiding their babies? No, I think it would be less shameful if we talked about it more because it is part of pregnancy. It is part of life. It's part of women's health is that in your life, I'm so sorry, you will probably have an early miscarriage at the very least or lose a pregnancy and I think that certain cultures are better talking about loss than we are we kind of sweep it under the rug and I wish that we didn't but what I can tell you is this has been so painful and unfortunate I know but you're 25 and you're definitely going to be okay what version of okay or like how long that takes I don't know but I do promise that you're going to be okay so try to be happy for your sister-in-law and try again is the very frustrating advice that they give you but I'm afraid that it is the only advice and if it means anything I don't want to sound like an asshole but I'm not upset about my miscarriages anymore at all 
And if you really feel like, you know, punishing yourself, go back and listen to my pregnancy last podcast. I hope it doesn't make you too sad. But if you listen, I was really sad. And that was still months later. I was really sad. And now I just feel, you know, we're all different, but I don't feel sad. I feel like those losses were part of my journey and those souls were not meant for me or they were not meant to come up you know to earth the way that I had anticipated that they would they had served their purpose and done whatever they had to do and I'm glad that we have Fred and time is so funny once it's gone it's difficult to conceptualize but I mean call me a jerk I'm not sad about my miscarriages and I really hope as shrewd as it may sound that there comes a time that you are not sad to the extent that you are now certainly Here's another. Catherine, I love your straight-talking and commonsensical manner. It really resonates with me, which will make you wonder why I'm writing, and I will leave you questioning my sanity after reading my problem. Some of this letter you might not be able to mention on air. Oh, yes, I will. But I won't. Oh, but I wouldn't want this man to be identified. You never know. Okay, well, I will blur the details about the man you're telling me about. So, I am a 49-year-old gay man who has been single for way too long. People say I don't look 49. I don't believe it, but that's for another letter. All right, you have a profile photo here on your email, and it's true. You're very handsome, very sexy. You do not look 49. But I mean, what does 49 look like? I met this younger, quote-unquote, bisexual guy who lives in London, only a few moments from me, and he works as a doctor. He is originally from somewhere. I won't give that detail. I met him through Grinder for sex initially, and I didn't think much of it. But then he kept texting me constantly, every day. So we started going out for drinks, food. I spent the night at his. He spent a few nights at mine, etc. I'm very wary of the age difference, so I wasn't really expecting this to be a long-lasting affair, and due to his lack of time to see me. So I've been trying to end this, but he does not listen. I've not been able to see him in two weeks, as he has no time all of a sudden. It's been about seven weeks total since we met, and initially he would find the time to see me even for a quick kiss, seeing as, though we, seeing as how we live very near to each other. But these past two weeks have been different. Horrendous. At first, I saw him on Grinder one night when I texted him about meeting up to have a chat, and he did not reply until the following day. He canceled a couple times as he was quote-unquote unwell, and then he would just want to FaceTime, so no real time to meet up. This upset me so much that I ended it. But again, he came back, saying that he enjoys being with me. His work is taking up a lot of time, but he tries to see me whenever he can. Bullshit. I have toyed with so many theories. Is he married? Is he engaged? Is he playing around? Etc. But none of them feel fair. He could well just be busy and prioritizing his medical career. No. But in the meantime, I'm here and he's not letting go of me. I'm not even able to see him though, so I'm left in the balance. My question is, what is the issue? What am I looking at? Does he have some sort of problem with being gay? Does he have communication or mental health issues? I have said, and I mean it, that I am happy to work around his schedule, but I need to know where I stand. I've asked him directly, and this also went unanswered. I'm not a fool. I know this is going nowhere, but I just wanted to get a more impartial point of view from the Canadian voice of reason in the UK. Well, I can tell you this. Someone who makes you question your desirability, someone who makes you feel insecure and puts you in a position where you feel you have to ask these questions does not like you enough. The right person will have you asking no questions like this. 
Also, my number one mantra is always don't ask questions if the answer A doesn't matter or B is going to be a lie. In a situation where someone is showing you less attention than you feel you deserve, you don't ask the question because the answer doesn't matter. Why isn't he prioritizing you? Well, who fucking cares why? All you need to know is that he isn't prioritizing you. It's making you feel like shit. So you need to find someone else or be on your own. Don't ever let anyone make you feel like this. Um, Is he married? Is he homophobic? Is he busy with work? Who cares? Um, So that's the official answer. You need to get rid and really ignore his requests to claw you back and drag you back into his circle of affection because he's not showing you what you need. However, I understand the curiosity. You really want to know what I think. Do I think he's busy with work? No, no one is ever too busy with work. They will make time for you. They will explain themselves. They will not pop up on Grindr as being available for sex with someone else when they haven't texted you back. No. Is he married? Is he engaged? I don't know. Probably not. I think my instinct is that he is someone who likes the thrill of a new fuck. He likes the chase. He likes the early honeymoon phase of a relationship and that's worn off. He reached out. He wanted to text you and meet up with you because it was new. It was exciting. You were banging for the first time and he wanted more of that. And now you are a very desirable, handsome man. He does want to keep you around. He doesn't want to lose you completely, but he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. He's being very selfish. So um, I once dated a guy who was neurodivergent, as we say. I think he was on the spectrum. And he didn't always treat me very well. He didn't treat me with any like malice, though. He certainly wasn't cheating on me. He just randomly would have behaviors that I didn't understand. And I would say to my girlfriends that it felt like game, even though I knew it wasn't. I said, he has such little game that it manifests as game. He just wouldn't call me back at the right time. Or sometimes he would be very affectionate or he just would lose track of time and get like completely engrossed in something else. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Game is game. It doesn't have to be mean-spirited. I don't think he's trying to hurt your feelings, but he's distracted. He's not prioritizing you enough. And for that reason, you need to freeze him out. Don't let him suck you back. Don't even write I mean, suck you back. Don't show this man any of your attention. And I don't think it has anything to do with you being older, by the way. I didn't want to say his age, but he's fewer than 20 years younger than you. And in, in gay times, you know, he's not a teenager. He's an adult man. It's not the age thing. It's just he likes to fuck new people. And he also wants to keep you around because he likes you, but not enough. So thank you next. This one's short and sweet. Catherine, my friend, is 20 years old and she has a boyfriend. She went on holiday with him and his parents recently and had a pretty bad time because his father was super inappropriate toward her. He slapped her butt a few times when there was nobody around And at the time, she had no idea how to react except to awkwardly laugh. Isn't that annoying? We do that so often, don't we? She's going to be staying with them again soon, and she's really anxious about seeing his dad. I told her if a stranger did that, it would be illegal, and she could literally threaten to report him if he touches her again. And she is allowed to stand up for herself, but she's quite shy, and she doesn't want the mom to find out what a creep this dad is. Do you not think the mom should know? 
She's very happy for me to send you this, by the way, so feel free to give her advice directly. I think she just needs some encouragement from TV's Catherine Ryan so she doesn't feel guilty about possibly causing a scene. Jesus Christ, what the hell is wrong with women? I don't want to cause a scene. Oh, that's why you don't slap your boyfriend's dad on the ass, because wouldn't that be causing a huge scene? He's causing a scene. Your reaction is not what's going to be uh, problematic or causing a scene in this instance. This fucking guy is assaulting his son's girlfriend. And like, what is our initial reaction? Oh, I just want to stay out of the way. I don't want to be impolite. I don't want to hurt the mom's feelings. First of all, she probably knows he's a complete creep. I don't think it's going to be news to her. Secondly, he's from a generation where, well, he probably is youngish if his son's only 20, but I mean, certain men believe that this is fine and this is okay to act uh, this way towards young women and it's absolutely unconscionable. It's not okay. Uh, Hmm. How would I handle this? Well, when I was 20, I would be a lot like you. I would be afraid of causing a scene and I would probably laugh and I would want to be polite. I think in the first instance, maybe say something to your boyfriend. I'd be like, look, I don't want to come into your life and break up your parents' marriage which, by the way, wouldn't be your fault. But I'd be like, your dad slapped my ass. Has he done this with previous girlfriends? Like, what the hell is the deal with your dad? I hope you're comfortable enough with your boyfriend to say that. If not, I think go on this holiday fully armed with confidence and be like, I didn't react the way I would have wanted to last time. I was shy. I was caught off guard. But this time, I'm ready. I would go empowered and I would go fucking mad. And I would enjoy the holiday with my boyfriend. And if that man even comes near you, says one thing to you, or God forbid, slaps your ass again, slap him back. Slap him back or walk over to his wife and slap your boyfriend's mom on the ass and be like, oh, sorry. I thought that was like, you know, how we connect in this family. I would make such a big deal of it. And it's really hard to do. And it's really scary to do. But then at least you won't have any regret over kind of smoothing it over last time not that again I still have to give the disclaimer it's not your fault but we don't always act the way we want when something catches us off guard and I think abusers want to catch us off guard because they know that we will rest on the like pervasive sick teachings of society in a patriarchal society where we go oh I'll just be a good girl I'll just be quiet I won't cause trouble for anyone that's our reaction so this time get ready for the tv's Catherine Ryan reaction I think and then You're not the one who's like blowing things up. You don't even have to act actually mad. Just be like, ha, 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 whack. Slap the dad right in the balls. Be like, what? We don't do that in this family? Go smack the dog across the face. Go like grab one of the mom's tits. Be like, "What? sorry, I'm just trying to ingratiate myself to the culture of this family. What? You act like you think the dad's going to act. Be like, what? What? No, did me? Did I do something? No, no, no. Uh, This is just the way we behave. That's it. Just act totally indignant. Be like, so report me to the police if you want to be a killjoy. This is how I am. Yes, that's what you do. That's what you do. Let me know, actually. I'm very curious to see how this holiday goes. You don't be the wet blanket. You grab everyone in their genitals and let them be the wet blankets. And they'll be like, holy shit, son, your girlfriend's nuts. Let them. Let them put it on you. See how they feel. What a letter. What a situation. I didn't realize parents were still like this in 2021. What a fucking loser.
That's all the time we have for your letters. Please write me your own questions, any uh, anything you want to tell me, any advice you want to give me, any advice that you would like to receive. The address is tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. A lot of the emails are responses to letters as well, and I really think we should do a whole catch-up episode. So um, please write me if like there's a conclusion to anything that you wrote in. I'm going to gather some of the best answers. A lot of you were looking for help or support, especially with, you know, domestic situations. And I've got loads of resources for you in the email. So we'll just do like one big purge episode of like, here's everyone else's advice. And what are your updates? Before we go, I will continue to read from my book, The Audacity, which is out September 30th. Please pre-order your copy if you want. There's going to be an audio version. And yes, I am reading that. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to be reading the book on the podcast, but nobody got me in trouble last week, so I'm going to do it again. Do not order a signed copy. Please don't because I'm signing all of them and I'm hurting my hand and I'm quite busy actually. So... My publisher doesn't want me saying this to you. If you've already ordered a signed copy, I'm very grateful. But I mean, I think I think we've had enough. Please, please don't order one. Okay. Um, last time we started talking about uh, the chapter, How to Waste All Your Money on Designer Dogs. And we got to the part where my racist piano teacher was saying to my mom, the Chinese aren't afraid to make their kids work. Despite the aggressive noise of my angsty minor scales, I could hear that my dad had arrived home early and that my sisters were laughing with him in the garden. These fucking pricks, I thought to myself about a couple of innocent toddlers, squealing in the winter sunshine while I'm stuck down here like the Phantom of the Opera. My dad called for me to come up, so I decided to martyr myself and stay glued to the piano I hated instead. With complete disregard for my commitments, he called again and again. Finally, I abandoned my music theory and stomped up the stairs to find out what couldn't wait. That's when I saw Jake, a four-year-old medium-sized cocker spaniel gleefully tearing around the backyard and wrestling my sisters to the ground by their mittens. Already, Jake was doing God's work. I loved him. He was blonde and beautiful like my mom, who hovered nearby looking suitably concerned. My dad definitely hadn't discussed getting another pet with her. This was a spontaneous decision to adopt a work colleague's dog deemed unsuitable for their home because he kept attacking the kids. In fairness to Jake, that family had teenage boys who put on their ice hockey gloves and let him bite their hands for mutual entertainment. Dad assured us he could train Jake out of the delicious habit of mangling mitts, but as soon as that respons- oh, but soon that responsibility fell to my mother, who prioritized toilet training him first. Night after night, Mom stood in the garden, clutching reward ham optimistically, waiting for Jake to do his business in the preferred location. Roxanne, who'd become a countertop cat since Jake's commandeering of her formerly floor-level territory, gazed out scornfully from her window ledge, remembering a more sympathetic time before the chaos of man. Eventually, Jake improved, but he would still wee in the house if he felt like it. He wasn't massive, but was certainly big enough to destroy things— Shoes, toys, books, orthodontic retainers, blankets, birthday cakes. If left unattended, Jake could reach and demolish it all in seconds. The general ordinance of the house became hide it or Jake will have it, which certainly encouraged us to tidy our rooms a bit more as we got older. He was, however, a very competent musical theater performer. Jake joined us at our tri-weekly rehearsals for the local production of Annie in 1996, where he played the Sandy, her loyal canon canine companion. Hopefully I can read by the time we record the audiobook. 
Strategically, the stage version sees Stray Sandy abandoned when Hooverville is raided, whereas in the film, he makes it into Daddy Warbuck's mansion with Annie. That meant Jake rapped early and hung out with all the kids backstage while the rest of us finished the show. It also avoided the laborious and impossible task of achieving a rags-to-riches makeover on a dog every night. Mum loved Jake the most. She sang to him and cuddled him and took him on long walks because stunning blondes are stronger in numbers. I'll bet Jake absorbed some of the street harassment Mum was used to weathering on her own. Whereas I liked Jake fine, but he was honestly too exuberant for me and came with a lot of trouble. I thought maybe dogs just weren't my vibe. One Easter Sunday, we arrived home from church and waited in the garden for family and friends to arrive for brunch. Easter was actually lit because it made my parents really happy to host their friends, and those friends always brought chocolate bunnies and gifts for us. North Americans know how to commercialize a religious holiday. Carrie, by this point, had reached her pinnacle of Disney glam. At five years old, she wore ball gowns daily. More often than you'd expect, she'd emerge from her bedroom stark naked, adorned in just the plastic costume jewelry set from 1994's iconic Pretty Pretty Princess fantasy roleplay board game. The object of this game was to move around the spaces collecting rings, necklaces, and bracelets, culminating in the final prize of securing the grand tiara, basically the Meghan Markle project. Carrie chucked away the dice early doors and committed to wearing the entire collection of bijouterie, tiara et al, and rejected any gameplay. Her tiny bare legs looking like they could buckle under the weight of fake golden gemstones, she'd swan around the house soaking up admiration until the Canadian cold coaxed her back into pants. Suitably, on this particular afternoon, we all wore pastel dresses, Easter bonnets, and frilly white socks with matching patent shoes. Carrie's dress was the most Carrie of all, obviously, complete with a tulle petticoat for fullness and elbow-length pink satin gloves. She loved making an elegant first impression. However, just as our guests arrived, my sisters bounced toward the gate and accidentally ran through a huge pile of Jake's wet poo, sliding forwards and then off her feet entirely. Every inch of that little girl made contact with a hot excrement as she hit the dirt. To this day, I have no idea how much she got so much of it on her. I suppose it didn't help that she made several attempts to lift herself out of the mess, slipping back down harder and at a new angle each time. Or the fact that Jake had spotted the gloves and was now yanking on the left one and wagging his tail, absolutely delighted to be involved in his favorite game. Eventually, Mom was able to snatch up Carrie, physically unharmed but wailing dramatically as I'd seen her train herself to do in the mirror more than once before. Showered and straight into the Pretty Pretty Princess set, she was allowed to do the egg hunt naked after that. I mean, that is true about Carrie, all of it. Carrie was so glam, so glam, and definitely fell in dog shit that day. This is like the least spicy chapter, by the way. I'm not getting into all the like sex, boyfriend, weird, crazy, legal, growing up stuff. You'll have to find that in the book. Or you can come see me on tour. I uh, hit the road with Mrs. starting in Crawley September 2nd. And I will be all around the UK and hopefully Europe. So hopefully coming to a theater near you. Thank you for your letters. Thank you for listening. Please don't jump to conclusions online. Please have, like, measured arguments. Please don't cut out any family members who disagree with you about the vaccine. My God. Let's just be nice people and friends and neighbors and look after each other. And I hope to see you soon on tour or get a letter from you to my podcast soon. Bye-bye. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.